0: listening to Sportsnet today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960
1: The Fan.
2: All right, kicking off this hour. We'll be joined by Maddie Rose for a Thursday edition of the Stamps Report. Stampeder's and BC Lions second half of a doubleheader of CFL playoff action on Saturday 4:30 kickoff from BC Place. That'll go after the Ty Cats and Owls finish up the East semifinal. So stay tuned for that in just a few moments. We're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios here in Calgary, Alberta, for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact basement systems. They're all things basement-y, visit DL Basement Systems. Dot com Hour one, we took a look at the BC Lions side of things with Matt Baker and had a long conversation with the Calgary Flames after they fell for the sixth straight game to the Dallas Stars 4-3 Wednesday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome Back at practice for the team today as they get set to take on the Seattle Kraken on Saturday night. We'll hear from head coach Ryan Huska following practice a little bit later on. Jordan Osterly, veteran defenseman for the Calgary Flames, placed on waivers this afternoon as well. So to come as well, we'll dive into the uh, the Calgary Hitmen. They've named their new general manager. It's a familiar face within the organization. Uh, Gary Davidson's going to join us at 2.30 to chat all things Calgary Hitmen. His team looking for their fifth straight victory coming up on Friday night. Uh, Before we do that, I promised you a Stamps report. Stampeders looking to play uh, upset on Saturday against the BC Lions. Opposite records, but they both are here. Stampeders fell to the Lions last year in the West semifinal. They're hoping for a different result this time around. Let's hear from Matt Rose on this Thursday. Stamps report. This this is the Stamps Report with Matty Rose.
1: The Calgary Stampeders held their final practice Thursday at McMahon Stadium before heading out to the West Coast for the Western Semi-Final against the BC Lions on Saturday. Calgary and BC will battle at 4.30 after the Alouettes and Tiger Cats play the East Semi-Final at 1 Saturday afternoon. The last game of the regular season for Calgary was back on Friday, so they had a couple of days of video work and meetings before heading on the practice field. Head coach and general manager Dave Dickinson liked what he saw from the preparation side of things this week. I still like being in the elements.
3: Uh, it wasn't that bad. Today was probably the chilliest day with a little bit of wind. I don't think anybody really let it distract them. We know we're going indoors, but it's really still uh, a fight. And uh, we know what what the, what the what to expect, and yet all playoff games go differently than what you expect. So we know what it's about. Let's see if we can adjust and, and fi- find ways to win a
1: game. Everybody's 0-0 right now. Have you felt like your team has maybe had a little change of mentality going into the playoffs in that sense? Uh, no, but... Uh, you're right.
3: Uh, really, the the season standings really don't matter now, except you're on the road. So, it's it's still one-on-one type of battles. That's what sports is. That's what football is. Uh, who can win their share of one-on-one battles? Who's going to make the play? Who's going to, uh, I guess, uh, not handle pressure or adversity? Those are the things ultimately that we got to see. Uh, which team can do that? Get the win.
1: Always interesting time of year because you got the teams gearing up for playoffs all while the all-stars and award nominees are getting announced by the league. And teams can use that as a way to celebrate and uplift their players. That's one way to build your team up. But another way to respond would be with a chip on your shoulder type of mentality. When players that you think deserve to be an all-star are left off the all-star list. The Stampeders had four players who were named on offense. Reggie Bagleton, center Sean McEwen. On defense, defensive defensive lineman Mike Rose and linebacker Micah Alway, All very deserving candidates. One maybe exclusion there, but first, Dave Dickinson's thoughts on the worthy candidates.
3: Uh, listen, I'm always uh, proud of other teams recognizing our players. Um, You know, we didn't have the year we wanted, but we had some great performances. Some guys really worked hard, and uh, you know, happy for those four. Uh, Now it's got to be one of those things you think about in the off season. Try to get to work and make sure you can win a game.
1: We'll hear from Jake Mayer on the two offensive nominees in a little bit. The starting quarterback talked about McEwen and Bangleton, two of the biggest helpers for him this year, whether you want to talk about him staying upright and being healthy all season or the passing numbers. We'll also hear from Micah Always shortly, and he had a chip on his shoulder type of feeling with the fact that Cameron Judge was not named an all-star. Dave Dickinson was also asked about the exclusion, which I will say surprised me. He's had an outstanding year but the coach had a very level-headed approach as he typically does.
3: Oh, I mean, uh, listen, he's one of our best. He I've given a lot of credit to the year. He knows it, but that's the way it goes. It, first off, all stars usually come from winning teams. And uh we were not a winning team at, during the regular season. You know, maybe do his uh do his damage even more so in the playoffs we'll see what happens.
1: Damn, Dave Dickinson's maturity and ability to put things in perspective. I'd look for Judge to have a huge game after not making the all-star list after a pretty dominant season at that wide linebacker. I could give you his stat line, but Micah Alway had it memorized, had a chance to chat with the Stampeders' middle linebacker, talked about his nomination as an all-star, Mike Rose's nomination as an all-star, Cam Judge's lack thereof, but most importantly, what Micah Alway thinks of this BC offense.
4: I think it starts with their um, offense coordinator, Missimic. Um, um He, you know, I was there for, you know, a short time. The players in there, the the offensive guys, all the way from the O line to running back, quarterback, receivers, they believe in him. They know that he's going to put them in the best position possible. And another thing I know about them is like that last game is it's a setup game. I mean, <laughs> I, I think he probably as soon as that game was over, probably went right to his house and started drawing up plays against us. So um, it's going to be even harder. It's going to be even tougher. Um, they're just one of those teams that they're 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 actually a prolific. You know, they're a prolific offense when your quarterback has almost. I think he had five, almost 5,000 yards. You're not
1: doing that by luck. It's not luck. It's just because they're actually good. Brent Monson. Uh, one of the things that Dave Dickinson has talked about has been needing to make adjustments as this game goes on because, like you said, mm. you're going to see some things that you haven't seen, mm. them coming off a buy and planning for you guys. How Brent Monson, have you guys prepared for that, and what have you learned from him just being around him that tells you he's the guy to lead you through this? Yeah, Brent,
4: Brent's the same way. I mean, it's a, it's a, the, the thing about you know Brent Monson and Coach Dickey, like, these guys are competitors, I mean, you, you can see in their play calls. So, you know, we, we kinda go as he goes. And um I know one thing about Coach Watson is he's he's had a couple games to learn from what um Masimic does. And for us, I mean it's all about making little tweaks. So, I mean, Coach Slowick, every every series we're on the iPad and me and Cam are thinking, all right, all right, this is what we saw. Do we need to make any adjustments? Do we need to stay the same? So that's what this game's gonna be about and that's why I think it's so entertaining. I mean, I wish the C F L had like sideline views of you know the offense on the field and okay what's him and judge looking at what are the adjustments they're looking at because it happens every play and that's really what makes football fun and that's what makes it like a chess game so it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough game but coach Monson you know like I said we go as he goes and whatever he calls we're gonna believe in it and we're gonna we're gonna make sure we execute it
1: named an all-star today what does it mean
4: it means a lot honestly it means a lot you know it took me six years to get this um I, I work extremely hard every offseason, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't it doesn't pan out. You know, you, you can have a guy maybe have 90 tackles, five interceptions, a touchdown, two sacks, two forced fumbles, you know, three TFLs, and uh, still not get All-Star. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Cam Judge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm talking – and it's like, you know, I would give up my All-Star for Cam because, If he wasn't as good as he was, I wouldn't get opportunities um, that I did, you know, to be third all time in tackles. You know, that's not something that happens with average people around you. That's something that happens when you have a well linebacker that is deadly. Like, you don't want to run it that way. You don't want to pass it that way, but somehow he still got five interceptions. So, you know, Cam, Cam to me is, the all-star, not just West Division all-star. He's an all-star. And um, I'm just glad that I had a guy like that next to me the entire year.
1: The other guy on the defense who was nominated was Mike Rose. Tell me about his season, what he does for you guys.
4: Yeah, I mean, Mike Rose, he's X-factor. I mean, you know, there's one thing to maybe have a lot of sacks, a lot of stats in the season, but there's another thing to watch film. And when the offense coordinator is like, okay, before we start with anything, (laughs) we got to start with Forty-one. Like, how are we gonna take care of him? Because then, you know, makes me free. I mean, if you don't block, if you don't block my grows, you're not getting any yards. So at least if you come to me, you might get two or more yards. So I think you know, having a guy like that is actually a game breaker, a game changer, and not just the run game, but in the pass game as a D tackle, it's invaluable.
1: That is Micah Alway, all-star for the season. Had himself just a great year, 134 defensive tackles. That's the third highest total in CFL history. He led the CFL with 153 defensive plays, including those 134 tackles, four tackles for loss, six special team stops, two sacks, three interceptions, one forced fumble, and three knockdowns. He earns a divisional all-star recognition for the very first time in his six-year career, as he mentioned. In our interview, Mike Rose led all defensive tackles in the CFL with 11 sacks. He set a career high with that number. His stat totals also included 24 tackles, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Third straight year that he's been a West All-Star on the offense, Reggie Bagleton and Sean McEwen. Jake Mayer gave his thoughts on both of them at the end of his chat with the media. We'll get to that in just a moment. But Jake also talked about going full circle. Of course, last year, the Stampeders lost in the first round of the playoffs to BC in BC. He also talked about how this week of practice has felt. I thought it was one
5: of our better weeks prep uh, so far. Really good in the film room especially. Really good on uh, guys having conversations getting on the same page because these, the, these are the games where you just you want to be able to lay it all out there and not have any regrets. So it starts with communication, and we did that.
1: Looks like you guys are going to have a lot of healthy bodies. Reggie's had a good week of practice. Kadeem, Bryce Bell as well. How does that encourage you going into BC?
5: Yeah, we're starting to become more whole. Um, you know, obviously... Uh, you know, there's there's guys that, uh, that we wish can uh, get on the horse with us this weekend. But, um, yeah, this is as whole as, uh, as we can probably be at the moment. And, uh, you know, that's that's a good feeling. You know, it just uh, just goes to show that the guys put in the time, did what they needed to do to make sure that their bodies were ready for the biggest moment of the year. And, and here we go. Jake, you know, obviously uh, team personnel is going to be different. But overall, um, going back there, yeah. the moment from last year, yeah. redemption on the map. Um, Sure. I mean, it's just uh, it's one of those things where like you have your life experiences and and uh, you know whether they're good or bad, you you carry those with you kind of the rest of your life and and that's definitely one of them. So um, I've played in that in that building plenty of times. Sometimes it's loud, sometimes it's not. It's definitely going to be loud as hell this weekend, and, and that's what you love as a player to to be able to be in that type of environment. So um, you know there are guys that uh, that were part of that team last year uh, that do have a bad taste in their mouth, and um, you know. Enough talking about it. Let's, uh, let's do something about it and, and see what happens. And it's playoff football. That's right. That, right? So that's right. Everybody's going to have their uh, level elevated. And of course, uh, you have the yeah. music playing. So everybody's yeah. getting hyped up. Yeah, everybody's excited. Um, just trying to prepare us as much as we can. That, that's the hardest part is just communicating in the huddle. Um, you know, So if we can do anything we can to prepare for that type of element, then we're going to do it. Where have you grown the most since that loss? Oh, man. Leadership, um, communication, confidence. Um, you know, just being in the system for a full year again and 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 going through different things um, Obviously, we've we've learned the hard way as a team a lot this year um, And I think it's just made us better. It's just made us more battle-tested um, You know, we've had games where things didn't go our way early and maybe we flinched a little bit and it got away from us And I would say, you know uh, Excluding last week, you know the game against SAS and the game against BC, you know things maybe didn't go our way early and we we overcame it and then we were able to mature and then and, and see the bigger picture and play well late in the game so um, those are the biggest takeaways for me
1: uh, and that and that dates back to last year as well. Sean McKeown named an all-star that offensive line allowed the second least amount of sacks in the CFL just tell me what his impact was and maybe a thought on the whole group too.
5: Sean's the best man he's um, you know he's just uh, absolute student of the game studies more than anybody knows more than anybody I would argue probably has more on his plate than anybody at the center position in the entire league, um, and he's earned that. Uh, he's just a true professional, brother, great friend. Uh, he's just uh, he's everything you want in a center, and I trust him with everything. I mean, it's it, it goes without being said, uh, you know how much he means to me, and and, and taking care of uh, not just myself but the running backs, and, and allowing the other guys to, to get down the field. So he's uh, he's the, he's the leader. He's you, you could say he's probably the captain of our offense, and it's well deserved, man. He should win that award every year. Tell me about Reggie too. Shoot, man. I mean, when uh, you know, when when the bodies were, were were kind of falling a little bit in the receiver room, you know, it, it was uh, it was great to have Reggie to kind of lean on and and kind of carry that burden of you know getting the most attention out on the field and 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 the defensive schemes that he would see were. Uh, were some of the toughest that any receiver would have to see in this entire league, just because he plays in that slot, and you know you can always kind of have two two sets of eyes on him as he's running down the field. So um, he already plays the game um, at a higher difficulty than most receivers in the league because of that. Um, and for him to have the success he had, the yards, the catches late in the season, he's starting to score more touchdowns. And um, yeah, he deserves everything that comes his way too. And and, it, and and for me, it's 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 our level of communication that is uh, that I felt like has got us to this point. And um, you know it, it's only going to continue to grow. But this year, he's uh, he's been my right-hand man for sure, and and he's embraced it every every day. He's tough as nails, too. Hell yeah. How many
1: times are you surprised when he gets up so quick from a
5: hit? Uh, I'm never surprised because yeah, like you said, he is tough as hell, and he just puts so much time in his body. Um, he's one of the truest professionals I've been around in terms of that. Um, he's constantly doing rehab, he's constantly doing strength training. He's constantly eating the right stuff. Um, you know he's making sure that uh, that he's recovering after some of these heavy days where you know he is running so many routes and is getting so many targets, not just in the game, but on a daily basis. Um, so, yeah, true professional.
1: Stan Peter's quarterback Jake Mayer. He'll be hopping on a plane to BC Friday morning alongside all-stars Reggie Bangleton and Sean McEwen. Bangleton, the team's leader in receptions with 86 and receiving yards with 1,119. He also led them in receiving touchdowns. He had five and that despite missing three games, he ranked second in the CFL and catches sixth in receiving yards. Second time he's been nodded to as an all-star and Sean McEwen, Third time in three seasons as a member of the Stampeders. The Calgary native made 17 starts this season on the Stampeders offensive line that allowed just 34 sacks. That's the third lowest total in the league. They will both try to help the Stampeders do the improbable and upset the Lions Saturday at BC Place. The Stampeders trying to become the first team to win a championship as a sub-500 team since 2016 when the Stampeders lost to the 8-9-1 Red Blacks. By my math, the first time since 1999 that a six-team win a six-win team has made the playoffs. That was Edmonton. They got smoked by Calgary in the opening round in 1984. It was the six-nine-and-one Hamilton Tiger Cats who made it, made it to the Grey Cup, but they lost. That's the best I could find in the last 40 years. So a chance to do something special. It begins with the Lions this Saturday. Depth charts to be released early Friday morning. I would expect Kadeem Carey to be good to go. Reggie Bagleton, good to go. Brandon Dozier, good to go. Jonathan Moxie, good to go. Brad Muhammad we'll have to see. But injury report will be out later this afternoon. And of course, like I mentioned, the depth charts will be out Friday as the team gets on their bird out to BC. With your Stampeders report, I'm Matt Rose.
2: Thank you, Maddie. Appreciate that. Once again, 4.30 kickoff Saturday afternoon. The Calgary Stampeders and the BC Lions. This is Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Uh, Shifting our focus back to the Calgary Flames. An off day for the team today. No game uh, until Saturday when they take on the Seattle Crack and they were on the practice ice following their six straight loss last night to the Dallas Stars. Heard from head coach Ryan Husk a little bit earlier today about the performances from Connor Zeri. A disappointing night for Matt Coronado. Mentioned earlier as well, Jordan Osterley placed on waivers today by the Calgary Flames. So we'll see what that means for the lineup heading into Saturday's game. As far as lines and deep pairings from practice today, courtesy of our pal Pat Steinberg, Jonathan Huberto with Elias Lindholm and Andrew Monjopani, Connor Zary with Kadri and Sharon Govich. No surprise, they were the best line for the Flames last night. Dryden Hunt on the left side of Backlund and Coleman. Greer with Dubé and Dewar. Matt Coronado shifting in as the extra winger on that fourth line. Your D pairings. Weager with Anderson. Hannafin with Tanev. Gilbert with Osterley. Zadorov operating as the extra uh, defenseman today. He had a family issue yesterday um, that caused him to miss last night's game. Um, hope for the best for Nikita Zadoroff and his family. Um, anytime something like that comes up last minute, you always worry about what that means. Uh, hopefully everything's okay and we see Nikita uh, back on the ice uh, as soon as possible as far as game condition goes for the uh, the Calgary Flames. Let's uh, hear from a couple members of the team following practice on Thursday, starting with the head coach who saw some good things from his team in that loss to Dallas, but are still waiting for them to put it all together and pick up a win. Hopefully Saturday that time when the sixth game losing streak comes to an end. But here's head coach Ryan Huska following a Flames practice Thursday at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome.
0: I know you didn't get the result you wanted last night, but now that you've had a chance to watch the game again, I'm sure, uh, a lot to like.
2: Um,
0: Yeah, as we mentioned last night, the the resolve in the third period was good. I mean, we played two pretty good periods. You can say the the second period um, was not uh, for the most part, you know, so that's the consistency that we we have to strive for.
3: What did you do to create some more scoring opportunities last night?
0: It's not really anything that I did. Um, you know, I, I thought the energy, the emotion, the body language was all better in the third period for our, our group. And I thought some of our um, older um, leaders, if you want to use that term, I guess, right now, um, they they dug in. I thought in the third period they kept their game simple. Um, they didn't give you – know, they didn't really leave a lot for um, – dallas to take at that point so i thought we did a much better job of of taking care of the puck to allow us to start to skate sometimes when the results aren't going a team's way they just want to get back on the ice back on the field yeah. you know get get playing again and flush it but for you guys is it, is it good to have this little bit of extra time uh, between well, games? like i've said before every day is a new day so you you review and you have your discussions with the guys the coaches all that stuff and you try to get your game plan ready to go for the next one
3: could Could Matt Coronado
0: benefit from maybe a game or two off in your mind, do you think? Um, It's not a bad thing for a young player. I mean, you see a lot of the younger guys that are are high picks um, to take a step back. And you can even use Rasmus as an example when he was out for the four games. um, You talk to him after the games and he's like, man, you see the game so different when you're watching it from up top. So it's never a bad thing. It's just a matter of taking it the right way if it were to happen.
1: For curiosity, that at the end of the practice, there's that drill where you had the one yep. sort of horizontal one vertical. What, what's the purpose of that, or were you trying to teach
0: that? Uh, it's more of a power play drill, I guess I would say. So it's it's getting your units to have to work in smaller spaces. Um, one's a little bit narrower, one's a little bit wider, and, and work on the quick passing, quick shooting. Yeah.
3: Ryan, I'm, I'm sure, and, and I know you were a captain during your career, I'm sure it's always challenging to be a captain when a mm-hmm. team is going through a losing skid. out. Have you seen Michael Backlund try to kind of lead through this stretch?
0: I, I think he's grown a lot, to be quite honest with you. Um, you, uh, there was times in years prior where you didn't really hear much from him in certain situations. So he's one of those guys that typically goes out and plays um, and he lets a lot of his leading come from his play. But over the last little bit, he's more vocal now. I mean, he's, he's invested in it and he's engaged and he wants to um, help turn the corner with and for our team, I guess I should say so I've been I've been really impressed with his progression We hear athletes say all the time. I want to lead with my actions, but when you're actually the captain does it matter? That you be vocal? Uh, absolutely people follow you um, They'll look to you first and foremost. So Michael's got the the respect of the room um, And he understands that if he doesn't play the way he needs to play then it's okay for other guys to do the same thing If he doesn't follow up his words with actions, then it it's a challenge for him to lead
1: the dynamic between a coach and a captain in terms of what you're, what you're talking about or being that conduit between the coaching staff and
0: the, the room there? Um, it, it's just open communication, I guess, whether it's a phone call at times, a text message or leadership meetings like we would have had this morning. Um, There's all sorts of different things that you would have with your with your captain and captains. Mm-hmm. you talk about playing a swag or playing with confidence. Uh, you look at the goal man scored last night. Yeah. Uh, you know, in terms of his confidence, what are you seeing in him when he's putting himself in positions to shoot the puck? Yeah, and that's when Manj is at his best. You know, you think about it, the type of player that he is. He's a bit of a bulldog the way he plays, and when he's around the puck and when he goes to the net, he's usually on the ice and there's people on top of him. That's when he's at his best, uh, and that's when he gets chances to score. So we're seeing more of that from him now, and we need that to continue.
2: That is Flames head coach Ryan Huska. Addressing the media following a Flames practice on Thursday, they look to snap their six-game losing streak when they take on the Seattle Kraken as part of Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night. I uh, heard their question at the end about Andrew Mangiapane. He was able to beat Jake Ottinger last night for one of the Flames' three goals. He's been operating on that top line with Jonathan Huberto and Elias Lindholm. Let's hear from number 88 following practice. See how Andrew's feeling in the midst of this six-game losing streak for the Calgary Flames Here's Andrew Mangiapane following practice.
6: When you mentioned taking shifts off, yeah. how does that get rectified? If you can identify something probably as crucial as that, how
7: does that change? I think it just, everyone's kind of got to do it, right? You can't blame it on anyone else or this, that, and the rest. We're all kind of doing it, so uh, I think it's, you know, Maybe quicker shifts will help, you know, playing the right way, managing the puck, right, so you, know, you don't put yourself in kind of vulnerable positions, maybe at the at the blue line, kind of turn the pucks over there at the end of your shift, and, you know, just kind of setting the next line up for, for success, right, not kind of, you know, changing on the back check or, you know, getting hemmed in, you know, just kind of living to see another day, try to help out the next line, and... and
6: no, I think that'll go a long way for us. When well, you have a third period like that, yeah. does that give you reason for optimism going forward, yeah. or is that more on the deflating side? We threw everything,
7: and we didn't get the reward. No, I think uh, if we play like that in the third period, we're going to win a lot of games, right? And that's the where we have to play, right? We were, we we're hard on pucks, hard on the four-check, you know, supporting each other in the, the D-zone, breaking out as five. Like, we were doing the right things, right? And um, yes, it was maybe a little too late, but you know, next game, we got to come out and and play like that the first period, right? Play like that the second period, play like that third period. And I'm sure we're gonna get the results.
0: So have just answered my question, but there's gotta be a balance, right? Because obviously it's a wins and loss business. Yeah. yeah. at the same time, I mean, it is a process and you guys played really well, objectively speaking. So yeah. I mean, you move this from a six game losing streak and losing 4-3 to a very good Dallas team isn't the end of the war, really. No,
7: right, but like you said, we're on a six game losing streak, so we gotta stop that skid in Seattle, right? And that's gotta be our mindset, we just gotta go out out there and just kind of win one game win that focus on that game and win win it right and like you said it's a win-loss kind of business and uh we just kind of got to go out there play like we did in the third period and get the win and and i think you know we got to build off build off of it right uh, we're thankful i guess that there's a lot of i guess time uh still left in the season so we just gotta you know keep going and, and keep playing the way we can
6: does it feel like the clock is ticking i know it's only november but you guys are realistic about what's going on and does it feel like uh the clock is ticking right now
7: yeah yeah for sure right i mean i don't know if the clock's kind of ticking right i think we know that we have a lot of time but i know we gotta end this skid right and we gotta start piling wins right and we got to go on our win streak ourselves to kind of balance it out and even it out right so um, I think our mindset's like I said just got to be focusing on that one win and getting that under our belt and kind of go from there.
0: Andrew uh, Ryan Oscar told us yesterday that so far he thinks you've been the best fit on the right side of the line with Elias Lindholm and
7: Jonathan Huberto do you feel like you three have all the elements you need to form a good line? Yeah, I think so. I think those two are, you know, two good, smart hockey players, right? So I think uh, me kind of coming in there, just kind of play my game, be tenacious, you know, hard on pucks, and you know, you know, kind of get open, and they'll be able to find you. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I think we still got to kind of work on our chemistry and build, uh, build off what we did yesterday, and just keep adding on to it, right? So I think that's the, that's the key, and just kind of. You know, knowing where each other are on the ice will help out a lot.
6: With chemistry, with that line off the ice, is there a lot of communication? So what's that like between, or is it at this point, everybody knows what they have to do, it's just a lot of execution?
7: Oh, a little bit of both, right? I think we all know kind of what we, we have to do, and everyone's kind of kind of got to get going and, you know, focus on themselves and do whatever they do to well to help the team win, but um, there's also communications where, okay, if there's a line rush or if there's a forechecking thing that we want to talk about or that, you know, where he likes this puck or what he wants there, right? Just little things where, you know, you don't know until you're actually on the ice with them and and you're actually seeing, okay, they like it in this position or they, you know, they want to rim it down here or something like that, right? So it's just little things where um, that you talk and discuss and that'll help out the chemistry, right?
0: You look your goal last night, like goal scorers goal, right? What's, uh, what's your confidence level like when you find yourself in those opportunities
7: to shoot? Yeah, i uh, feeling good, right? I think i uh, got to be able to get kind of more shots the net. I think as a team, right? So I think uh, me, myself, like I said, to play with two smart players that will that'll find you in the open space. So I'm just trying to get open and, you know, get the shot off and get it to the net as much as I can.
2: Andrew Mangiapane, Falling Flames practice on Thursday he scored in the Flames 4-3 loss to the Dallas Stars, and they'll need more out of him and that line with Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberto as they look to snap the six-game losing streak Saturday against the Seattle Kraken. All your Flames coverage right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side, diving into the little brothers at the Scotiabank Saddledome. The Calgary Hitmen announced that uh, Gary Davidson had been announced as their Next, general manager, the sixth GM in franchise history. We'll talk to the man taking over the GM chair for the Calgary Hitman next as Sportsnet Today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Calgary Flames are off until Saturday when they head to Seattle to take on the Kraken as part of Hockey Night in Canada. So if you need your hockey fix, you can head down to the Scotiabank Saddledome Friday night. The Calgary Hitmen hosting the Everett Silvertips, looking for their fifth straight victory in a row. Coming off a great weekend that saw them pick up wins against Lethbridge, Red Deer, and one of the top teams in the CHL, the Portland Winterhawks. I'll have your pregame show at 6 o'clock tomorrow night while Brad Curl and Jeff Hollick have the call of the Hitmen and the Everett Silvertips at 7 right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan Come see if the Hitmen can pick up their fifth straight victory against Everett. Uh, So that's what's happening on the ice with the Calgary Hitmen. And on this Thursday, they also made some news off of the ice. They've announced that Gary Davidson has been named the next general manager of the team. The sixth GM in franchise history. A storied hockey career. He spent the last couple years with the organization uh, as director of player personnel and now moves to the GM chair. And he's kind enough... To give us some time this afternoon down at the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Gary, thank you for the time today, sir. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, congratulations on your new role as uh, general manager of the Calgary Hitman.
6: Well, thanks very much. I'm excited about the opportunity and uh, looking forward to, uh, to the challenges ahead of us.
2: Uh, talk to us a bit about the the process and the decision for you and the organization to go down the road, and for you to take on this this new responsibility with the group.
6: Uh, yeah, well, I was hired a couple of years ago as director of player personnel. Uh, involved primarily in in in, uh, in our drafting and developing our or taking our list and. Uh, and and making it better, and uh, after a couple of years here, they decided that they, was go- they were going to make some changes. They asked me if I would step in in the interim and uh, sort of take the the role of GM, but with the title of Director of player, uh, Hockey Operations. Uh, but in the last month or so, they've offered me an extension and a full-time uh title and position of GM and I was really excited to have the opportunity and looking forward to it very much.
2: You've been a GM in the WHL before, Gary. How excited are you to to get back to that role with the Calgary Hitmen? It's been some time since you were uh, doing this job in Everett.
6: Yeah, well, COVID kind of got in the road of <laughs> some things there in Everett and, uh, but I was offered an opportunity to stay in the game with the Hitmen and yeah. I was excited to take that on and and, and again, it's a, it's a role I did not Everett for close to eight and a half seasons there, uh, coming in mid-season one year, uh, and thoroughly enjoyed working in the league. It's a, it's a great league. Well uh, well run, both on and off the ice, and very professional, and obviously you're working with young men that are all aspiring to play at the highest level, so you're dealing with uh, young elite uh, hockey players. So. Uh, I really enjoy it and look forward to this opportunity. With
2: your experience as a a GM in Everett, what kind of challenges come with being a a GM in the WHL? It's a a league that sees a lot of turnover year to year. You mentioned, you know, scouting experience and player personnel that you've had with the Hitman, I imagine. That'll go a long way to helping you as your role as the GM chair as well.
6: Yeah, well, I think uh, the the first big challenge is is, – the, getting to make sure your your staff, your coaches and everybody involved uh that there's there's two goals. One obviously every night is to win. But the other goal is that we gotta grow and develop our players because that's the reason they come to us. And that's very challenging for coaches. Um, you know, they're judged on their wins and losses. Uh and so as a GM and a past coach, I, I certainly appreciate that, but I also understand the value in and what can happen for our organization if we take our young people and we grow them and, and, and make them better uh, because that will ultimately result in more wins on the ice as well. So that's a, that's a very challenging thing. And, and again, I, I, I certainly appreciate uh, the difficult spot we put, put our coaches in. Uh, it's not like the pro game where every night you're, you're, you're coaching a, and the goal tonight is to win and get two points. Uh which we want to do that here with the Hitman but we also have to deal with developing and growing our players. So uh that's a that's a challenge. Uh I think the other challenge is is the recruitment side. You you uh you pick good players, but that's not the only thing you ought to do. Then you have to recruit them and uh and that's a that's always been a challenge uh, over the last number of years I've been in the business. Uh there's only one pool of players. And everybody's after the same players, so that's a that's a challenge. Uh, but it's also one that uh, I think we're in good stead here in Calgary because of our ownership, because of the city, because of geography, and all those other things. So uh, those are the two things I think that uh, that are m- most difficult to manage as a GM. I was just going to
2: ask you, as a as a GM going forward, when you look at, at what Calgary has to offer, obviously for some kids, it's. Exciting to be in an NHL building that also houses the Wranglers and the Flames and to play, you know, sometimes in front of, of big crowds. The Teddy Bear Toss is always a, a very heavily attended one there. But uh, you mentioned a couple features there. How do you sell Calgary as an organization to these to these young men as far as development goes and that this is the, the right place to take the next step for their careers?
6: Well, again, I think first of all, you sell the Western Hockey League as a, one of the best development junior leagues in the world uh secondly uh, i think it's a piece of cake to sell this city i mean it's an awesome city it's uh it has everything that you need to 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 have success at not only in hockey but in many facets of life Uh, and then we make sure that our program uh, has got all the necessary uh, pillars in place and that's uh uh a good facility to play in, good staff around them, an education component, billeting, all all those sorts of things. And I can assure you uh, uh, the the, the location and geographics of Calgary make it a real plus, too. We're in the middle of the the footprint of the Western Hockey League, but also we've got an international airport where you can – you can get here very easily in comparison to some of the other centers. So, which is attractive for, for the parents, probably more than the players themselves. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a pretty easy sell, I think, to sell the Calgary city, the, uh, the Hitman uh, program as well.
2: Uh, Gary, when you look at the organization that's been set in front of you, you're obviously very familiar with it, spending the last couple of years in a different role, but, when you look at the coaching staff and the players that you have set in front of you, how do you feel about where your organization sits today and where the direction of the team is going forward?
6: Well, I feel really good today. I think we've got a lot of really good young players coming in uh, this year and in the future. I think we've uh, got some outstanding young men out there playing at the midget level that will join our organization next year or the year after. I also really like our staff here. Uh, both uh, when it comes to the hockey operations staff but all the other support staff as well. Uh I think the biggest thing is as I've tried to get across to the to the coaching staff that look at I'm here to support you and we're going to we're going to lo- look to win and win each and every night but but it's also right now the optimum word is a little bit of patience because we do have one of the youngest if not the youngest team in the league and uh, with that uh, there'll be probably a few trying nights and maybe uh, some stretches. And we went through the first 10 games was a difficult (laughs) stretch. Uh, But the last number of games we've, uh, I think we got everybody pulling on the same end of the rope, which is important. I, I I think uh, particularly the coaching staff now appreciates what, what we're trying to do moving forward here. And uh, I feel very positive about both the whole group of people. And, and again, an organization is only as good as the people they have in it so I think it's looking really bright for us a good future but also a really good future with all the young players that we're going to have come in here in the next bit a bit as well the next two seasons here for sure
2: You, you mentioned how difficult it can be sometimes for a coach in the WHL to balance winning and player development it's something you know from your time as a coach and uh, I imagine that leads to a, a kind of a unique relationship that you can have as a GM with head coach Steve Hamilton because you know some of the, the difficulties that he'll face. They're ones that you've handled as a coach uh, during your time uh, in that position as well.
6: Well, definitely. And, and again, I, I I mean, Steve's been here a number of years, and I've worked the organization for a couple of years. But Steve was doing his job coaching, and I, I was doing my job out there trying to uh, – Bring the best young players into our organization as possible but now it's a little bit, bit different I'm uh, much more involved w- working hand-in-hand in hand with the coaches here as well as keeping a good a good eye and a good uh, amount of uh, support to to the guys out there looking uh, at the future here for us, doing the scouting and that but uh, I can assure you Steve and I are starting to really come together here and like I said uh, we're really pulling on the same end of the rope here and i feel really confident that he and i are going to uh, have a long positive relationship as we move forward here
2: and and that's very important to the organization for for you and the coaching staff to be on the same page when it comes to what you guys are doing on a day-to-day basis i'd assume very much so
6: yeah and uh, and again uh, we're, we're, we're trying to identify, uh, our needs and, and, uh, our shortcomings. And, uh, and again, uh, I, I'm here each and every day here to support what they're trying to do, whether it's, uh, adding a player here or, uh, you know, discussing, uh, uh, discussing what we need to, uh, to do, uh, on a little more long-term basis. And, uh, uh, again, coaches tend to look from game to game, uh, which is what they should be doing obviously but mm-hmm. uh in my position I'm trying to make sure they understand what I what I'm trying to do and that's a a longer runway and uh and as much about tonight's game as it is uh the rest of the season and into next season as well.
2: Uh I I'd love to ask you just from a, a player personnel and a player development standpoint how the last couple of years in the WHL have changed post COVID. I know for a lot of people and you going through a WHL season that was so different, uh, uh, not all that long ago, that the process of recruiting players and finding players and convincing them to come somewhere was, was very difficult for a while. How is that? I imagine it's been great to get back to normal and get back to doing what you guys have done for so many years when it comes to just scouting your players and, and convincing them to come and be Calgary Hitman players.
6: Well, again, I think we are back to a, a bit of a, a, a what I call it a normal situation here. It certainly got going last year, and I see very much more again this year. Uh, I think the only the only fallout I see from the COVID that is really there's a there's a couple of birth years that really lost in their development. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure which year suffered more, uh, whether it was the '04s, the '05s uh and and again i'm possibly the 06s but uh with the 06s we did get to see them play one really good season last year and then obviously they 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 arrived in the, the league so uh or 2 years ago they had a normal season and arrived in the league last year but for the most part i think we're over that and we're moving forward and uh, and again uh, i and it wasn't just in hockey they suffered from the lack of the lack of development, the lack of being able to play well, the lack of just communicating with each other on a face-to-face basis there for, for those COVID seasons. But uh, like I say, that's behind us now and I think everything looks pretty promising moving ahead.
2: Uh, Gary, just two more for you. I really appreciate the time this afternoon. Uh, Could you talk to me a bit about your relationship with Mike Moore and a guy that's meant so much to this hitman organization as uh, a guy that's, you know, dipped his hand in many different areas. I imagine that uh, the two of you had lots of conversations as, as this process went on.
6: Well, most definitely. I first probably met Mike when he was back in Kamloops and I was starting the, the Salmon Arm Junior A program. I think we met and visited on a couple occasions, certainly didn't know each other very well. Uh, but over my time in the Western League, first with Portland, then Everett now here for two years uh you know, working directly with them. I mean, uh, I think we've established a really good relationship. I think uh, our philosophies and how we see building a a program and a team are very, very uh, similar. And uh, I'm excited to have the opportunity to work with Mike here moving forward uh, as the GM and him being the support person above me there. And then he reminds me the odd time that he's the business guy. And I have to (laughs) remind him the odd time I'll do the hockey because that's really the best marriage. Yeah. Uh, Well, obviously he's had tons of experience on the hockey operation side, but I've had a little bit of experience on the business side too. I owned a team. And uh, so I think, I think it's a, I think it's going to be a real positive relationship with the two of us moving forward.
2: That's great to hear. Uh, And last but not least, the WHL made a, uh, announcement yesterday about mandatory neck protection going forward. Obviously a uh, very unfortunate incident in the hockey world that's led to this, but uh, where do the Calgary hitmen come out? I uh, imagine they're happy to, to see another level of safety for their players going forward.
6: Well, certainly safety is critical for all our players and uh, 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 tomorrow night we'll have all our neck guards on. I think we've been scrambling a little bit to to make that happen, but it definitely will happen tomorrow night. And uh uh, again, the league has decided to move in this direction and we're certainly very supportive and uh, we'll do our parts, part. And that net guards or whatever it is, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure we're staying on top of things so that our player safety comes first.
2: That's great to hear. Gary, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I really do appreciate it. Congratulations on your new role with the Calgary Hitmen. I look forward to seeing you uh, around the Scotiabank Saddle Dome some more.
6: Look forward to it. Thanks very much, Logan. All of us see you there. You as well, sir. Thank
2: you very much. Gary Davidson, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He's the sixth general manager in Calgary Hitman history, uh, joining a long line of very successful uh, men who have run the, run the Calgary Hitman, uh, and the Hitman off to a, a good... Uh, it wasn't a great start, as Gary mentioned. The first 10 games, a bit of a struggle for the organization, but they've really turned it around, had a great weekend. They've won four in a row. They're taking on Funny enough, Gary's former team where he was GM for almost 10 years. Uh, the Everett Silvertips on Friday night at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. If you're looking for something to do, no Flames hockey till Saturday. Maybe make your way down uh, to the Saddle Dome and enjoy some Calgary Hitman hockey. They're looking for their fifth straight victory. Coming off a win over one of the top teams in all of Canadian hockey. Uh, they beat the Portland Winter Hawks, put up seven the other night. Uh, it's becoming a really young, exciting team for the Calgary Hitman. One of the youngest in the league. Uh, But those young guys have shown some really, really great promise. Looking forward to tomorrow night's game. We'll have a Hitman warm-up show for you at 6 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, Brad Curl and Jeff Hawk will have the call right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Uh, We're wrapping up the show here uh, from the Basement Systems uh, downtown studios. Been a busy show. Thank you to Gary Davidson for uh, joining us. Thank you uh, to Cassandra from the Calgary Hitman for helping set that up for us. Appreciate that as always. Uh, Matt Baker joined us this afternoon for a look at the BC Lions had a stamps report with Maddie Rose appreciate all of that if you missed any of it check it out on the podcast including uh, a really good Flames conversation following their loss to the Dallas Stars their 6th in a row that's how we kicked off hour 1 of the program you can hear Ryan Huska's thoughts on Connor Zaria's NHL debut and more google amazon spotify or wherever you get your favorite podcatchers Thank you to Outstanding Producers Cam and Taylor for their great work on this Thursday. And thank you for listening, whether live or on the podcast. Appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow to get you set for the Flames and the Kraken on Saturday. We'll get set for another slate of NFL football with Matt Marchese. And the World Series finished up last night. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers on their first World Series title. Adnan Verk was uh, live at the World Series covering that for MLB Network. We'll talk to him on a Friday as well. Looking forward to it. We'll be back tomorrow. Enjoy Real Kipper and Born. Flamestock with Pat Steinberg's coming up a little bit later. All of it here on SportsNet 960, the fan.